you know, pretty good. It's, pretty a, good. it's, it's all, all Hallow's Eve when we're recording. I guess oh, yeah. Apply. Indeed it is. So, so. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mostly have been thinking about that because we're not doing anything with the kids for Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> for Halloween, because I don't Fuck care about this holiday. Kids. Gotcha. <laughs> no yeah. mashed potatoes for you. Oh, we carved some pumpkins uh, tonight. I just think this. All right. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of Halloween. It's just not a holiday I enjoy. I like Halloween when I was like more of a guy who would go out to the bar. But now that I'm not. And haven't been for the last few years. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Then having a wife who enjoys couples costumes really puts a damper on that shit. (laughs) I don't know. And like, I'm a big horror movie buff. And one thing that really pisses me off about Halloween is that it's the only time of year that people seem to care about horror movies. I enjoy monster movies more around the time of Halloween. Like, I don't see myself watching Pumpkinhead any other time than in October. I'm seasonal with a lot of things. I'm guilty of that. Like I have certain music I'll listen to in spring and summer versus fall and winter. But, you know, I can understand the frustration. Yeah. Because you've talked about this before, how much you love horror and how many things get ignored because people just try to fit in the same things over and over around the Halloween and stuff. I don't know. I, I just feel like horror is a good anytime kind of thing. And I guess something like Scream really put that in my head when Scream comes out in December. Sure. Uh, and and working at a movie theater, most horror movies are released like early in the year because there's not a lot of stuff there. There used to not be a lot of stuff on the beginning of the year. So you could drop a 12 million dollar horror movie and just clean up at the box office with it. Right. Yeah, makes sense. I just. I don't know. Horror does feel like something that has a time and a place. That time is all the time. That place is every place. I don't see myself I've... watching a horror movie at like noon on a Tuesday. I don't know. I guess that kind of depends on the horror movie for me. Like noon on a Tuesday. I could go for like an, an easy breezy slasher flick. Something a little gorier and fun. But I'm not going to watch like Midsommar. I was about to say, like, would you watch Midsummer during the day? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you have to watch Midsummer during the day because of how it's shot. <laughs> it's so unnerving. Mm. See, that movie just kind of turned horror on its head, though. Like, hey, we're giving you a bright movie that's going to scare the shit out of you. Yep. It's like, hey, we want everything to be seen. You're not going to miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> well... I guess I'll do I guess I'll do a little segue I was thinking of. Uh, so I figured next October, when it rolls around, instead of watching horror movies all October, I'm going to watch romantic comedies all October. I'm going to okay. watch all of the Peanuts movies in October, <laughs> except for <laughs> The Great Pumpkin, except for The Great Pumpkin. Now, I figure, you know, I'll, I'll I'll start with some like Runaway Bride or When Harry Met Sally or a little love actually in there. Yeah. 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 No, no, I get you. I get you. No, that, I, that's I, a good call. I think it's going to make my October a lot more, uh, a lot more easy to deal with. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so Daddy, what's... what are we doing for Halloween? <laughs> Have you seen Sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen 27 dresses? It's scary how good it is. 
We're gonna watch 28 days. <laughs> Later? No. No, the prequel. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we're watching the 1934 film, It Happened One Night which is a Frank Capra-directed romantic comedy about an unhappy heiress literally jumping ship to escape her father, joining a cocksure journalist on a bus trip from Florida to New York. On the way, we learn the trick to hitchhiking, the proper way to undress, and whether or not young people in love are hungry. Wonderful. Indeed. Is this everybody's first time seeing this movie? Yes, sir. It's my first time seeing it properly from start to finish. I caught part of it on... TV many years ago, and I was like, you know what? Um, I probably shouldn't watch this from the point where I turned it on. I need to watch this entirely one day, and then I got a copy on DVD, and it's sat there, and I didn't get it watched until now. I have seen this film many, many times, and I own it on Criterion. <laughs> hey, as he is. holds <laughs> up his Criterion copy, <laughs> everybody take a drink. Oh. Are, are the drinking rules still applying to this podcast? I, I, they, I think they have to, but I, <laughs> okay. I worry about our listeners' liver. Uh, I feel uh, Greg may get a get a problem. <laughs> Greg O'Neill, put it down, man. <laughs> it's not worth it. He has the DVDs behind him. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is a film I love so much. So I can see why I, I, I'm willing to talk about this movie a little bit more. But I got to hear the Oscar breakdown first before I start inevitably gushing. All right, let's break it down. Break it down. I hope Trav enjoys that pause I put in there for him. You can leave that in or not, Trav. I don't care. I hope Trav enjoys the fact that I learned how to turn down my mic level so that he doesn't have to edit out all the burps I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, Oscar breakdown on It Happened One Night. It Happened One Night was nominated for five Oscars. It Happened One Night won five Oscars. Very nice. Beautiful. Uh, I believe this is our second 100%er. I, I should keep track of that. Uh, is it considered 100% <laughs> well, if, if you're only nominated for Best Picture? Wasn't that Grand Hotel that just had the one and one? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you won 100% of the awards you were nominated for, correct? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually want to, I, I think I want to try to keep track of this. So um, for right now, maybe I'll put a, a thing up front saying that, uh, or up front on the next episode saying how many actually won the 100%. But uh, for right now, this is the second one I remember saying it won 100% of the awards it was nominated for. So not only did it happen one night, win 
five awards, all five awards it was nominated for, but those five awards happened just happened to be what are referred to as the top five Oscars. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what they are. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so best picture. Yep. Best uh, actor. Yep. Best actress. Yep. Best director. Right. And best screenplay. Correct. Yes. Very nice. It is the first of only three films to pull this feat off. I cannot wait to talk about the other two, but we got to get there first. <laughs> um, it Happened One Night was nominated against 11 other films. Just so we know this, including a film called The Gay Divorcee starring Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, which is if I remember correctly, this is also the first movie that's been a full just that year. Yeah, because the last one was like 17 months or something. Yeah, it was a 17 month period. So now we're just covering the calendar year of 1934. And that is it. Um, oh, that'll make things easier going forward. Yep. Makes it much easier uh, until we get to 2020, which is going to go from January of 2020 to I think it's March of 2021. Really? Yeah. Did they delay the the Oscar? I haven't seen that yet. Like, yeah. So, OK, so they announced that a few months ago. And even though things are not going to go back to normal by the time of the broadcast, they are not going to fix it just because of how things got released. So throughout are the, we gonna the year, get a really weird January dump in 2021. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in January, 2021 at this point, because everything sucks anyway. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> so, um, Everything is not awesome. No, it I've is watched not. one new movie this year. So I think uh, we're good. I have watched. Oh, now I, now you, now I got to look it up. I saw Bill and Ted. That's it. Really? That's it. I'm pretty sure. I have watched. Let me get my letterbox to list up here. Uh, according to letterbox, and I may not have put a couple in here. I have watched 44 new films this year. Holy shit. That's a pretty banner year for you. Uh, that's kind of a slow year for me. Really? I thought you're usually in the 20s, but no, you're no, you're usually in the 70s, aren't you? No, I'm usually in the 150s. And that's released this year. Huh? That's that's 2020 releases. I might okay. need to look at the 2020 releases and see. Yeah. If I can only think it. of um, I saw, you know, I'm I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix. And that's I about the only one I remember. I still need to watch that. All right. So here's what I've watched. I'm going to I'm going to list all 44 of these films. and You guys tell me if you've seen them. <laughs> Got okay. it. Doolittle. Oh, I did see that. Oh, Damn it. Uh, yeah, you just forgot it was 2020 because it <laughs> happened back in January. Yeah. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. Missed it. Uh, the Netflix film, The la the Last Thing He Wanted. Missed it. Uh, the Hunt, which was awful. Uh, John Henry, the film that Benjamin Banks told me not to watch, <laughs> and I did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Also, these are from my last place going up. So this is sure. ascending order of how I have them ranked on Letterboxd. Uh, Fantasy Island, Trolls World Tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Onward. Wait, I have seen oh, Onward. I have seen okay. Onward. Okay. The Wrong Missy, the Happy Madison film. Mm -hmm. uh, Capone, Bloodshot, which is the last film I saw in theaters. Wait, is that the Vin Diesel? The Vin Diesel. The uh, one that should have gone to fucking Jason David Frank? Yes. 
Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I have seen Sonic. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think uh, that was the last one I saw in theaters. Spencer Confidential. Uh, the main event, a WWE produced Netflix original film. Uh-huh. Uh, Artemis Fowl. Hubie Halloween. Love Wedding Repeat. Extraction. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Lovebirds. The Gentleman, the new Guy Ritchie film. Uh, the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana. Uh-huh. Borat subsequent movie film. Uh-huh. My Spy. My Spy. Emma. Which one's that? Uh, that's the one with Dave Bautista and the little girl. Oh, I have seen that. That one was adorable. I love that film. That movie was really good. Zach, I will shoot you a copy of it if you need it. Okay, thank you. Uh, Emma, The High Note, Horse Girl, Star Girl, uh, The King of Staten Island, The Call of the Wild, Enola Holmes, Scoob. Wait, how is Enola Holmes? I enjoyed it. I, I'm okay. not going to go out on a limb and say it was like great or if someone tells me, I don't know, it wasn't that good. I'd be like, OK, that's cool. <laughs> oh, OK. And I did see Scoob. I saw Scoob. I like Scoob. Scoob a lot. And I and now I don't like Scooby-Doo. So I and I enjoyed Scoob. Uh, Bad Education on HBO Max. The Way Back. Now, here's my top 10 in ascending order so far of 2020. Bill and Ted face the music. Yes. Weathering with you. Palm Springs, Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made, The Willoughbys, Five Bloods, Birds of Prey, or The Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Was that this year? Yeah, February. Oh, goddamn greatest death in a movie this ever. This year is so long. This right. year is so long. <laughs> uh, a Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, uh, The Invisible Man, and David Byrne's U- uh, American Utopia. Hmm. I've seen and, eight yeah. of your 44. Yes. Yeah, I've seen five now. And I think I saw a few more, but uh, a couple of months were very depression-heavy for me, and uh, I didn't rank a lot of things, so it's probably closer to, like, 50. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And I have a bunch of movies that I can watch that I've uh, obtained or paid money for, and I just haven't watched them yet. Yeah, I have... Invisible Man. That's about as of that list. The only one I have that I haven't watched yet. I I have Mulan. I have Guns Akimbo. I have a few other things, and I need to watch them. I also really want to watch Charm City Kings on HBO. This should have been our opener, right? <laughs> this should have been our. We're in the middle of the right. Oscar breakdown. <laughs> All right, let's get back. Let's let's stop distracting ourselves because we're going to be here forever if we keep doing this, and we're going to keep doing it. But. Okay. Right. Uh, Happen One Night, nominated against 11 other films, wins Best Picture. Uh, Frank Capra, uh, one of the greatest directors of all time, wins Best Director. Okay, so funny story from uh, the 1932-33 Oscars. The man who won Best Director at those Oscars was named Frank Lloyd for Cavalcade. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the person handing out the award for Best Director opens the envelope and says... Oh, I couldn't go to a nicer guy. Frank, come get your award. And Frank Capper <laughs> stood up and started heading to the stage. Oh, shit. Only to find, only to find out it was Frank Lloyd. <laughs> Dang. So, what, uh, what movie, do you know what movie that was for? I can't remember. Cavalcade. What he had. What, or for, well, what was Frank Capper oh, nominated? What was Frank Capper nominated for? He was nominated for A Lady for a Day. Okay. And, uh, 
So he he stood up and he started heading towards the stage and then uh, they called up all the directors to kind of let him save some face, but it was too late. The damage is already done. Yeah. So apparent so apparently during this uh this broadcast he waited in his seat until his name was very specifically called. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun story. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh Clark Gable, best actor, Claudia Colbert, best actress. They are amazing in this film and they're both wonderful. Uh Betty Davis gets nominated for Best Actress because there was such an outcry against the fact that she didn't get nominated for Of Human Bondage that they opened up a write-in and Betty Davis gets nominated for Best Actress on a write-in. Wow. So she kind of got Leo'd before Leo was a thing. Where, like, Leo didn't really deserve it for Revenant. No, that's kind of a different situation. Apparently she really deserved it for Of Human Bondage. And people were so upset that she didn't get nominated that the Academy was like, fine. How about you just write her in then? They're like, okay, we'll do that. (laughs) And it is thought that she lost that award because Jack Warner, who loaned her out for uh, to RKO for the film, told all of anybody who was under contract with Warner Brothers in the Academy voting body to not vote for her. Damn. Wow. Oscar politics are fucked up. Um, okay, so uh, best original story goes to a film called Manhattan Melodrama. Best adaptation goes to It Happened One Night uh, based on a story called Night Bus. Uh, live action short subject comedy goes to a film called La Cucaracha. Uh, best live action short subject goes to a film called City of Wax. And now for our podcast within a podcast, Walt Disney Oscar Watch. Walt Disney picks up his fourth Oscar in three years uh, for the tortoise and the hare. All right. Good job, Walt. Uh, Also, I forgot to mention it last week. Walt Disney was the first person to win back-to-back Oscars in continuous years. So this makes him the first back-to-back-to-back Oscar winner with his four Oscars. All right. uh, The best sound recording goes to a film called One Night of Love. Best Art Direction goes to The Merry Widow. Best Cinematography goes to Cleopatra, a film that a lot of people thought was going to win Best Picture. Best Assistant Director goes to Viva Via, and uh, the assistant director's name is John S. Waters. Uh, And for the first year, uh, the Academy opens up from 13 to 16 categories. Their three new categories are Best Song, which goes to The Continental from The Gay Divorcee which I listened to earlier and is quite a lovely song, but also Ginger Rogers is fairly easy to look at. So that didn't hurt. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, best sound recording goes to a film called one night of love. And finally, my second favorite award given at any Academy award ceremony, best film editing goes to a film called Eskimo. Very nice. Okay. And if you're wondering, cinematography is my favorite Academy award. I I assumed I'm I'm a nerd for framing. I can't help it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, and uh, side note. Apparently, I got a bad note last week when I said that uh, uh, Shirley Temple won an Academy Award in the 33, 32 Oscars. It was actually the 34 Oscars. Okay, for for the the Shirley Temple Award. Yep. Okay. 
Oh, and this was also the last year in the history of the Oscars where every single nominee for the best actor category was a first time nominee. Oh, nice. So seven years in and from here on out, names will uh, cycle through. So well, thank are... you for that Oscar breakdown there, Paul. Oh, not a problem. I always, I always enjoy that. All right. So let's talk about this movie a little bit. Because basically, as a person, as I've said multiple times, I'm not a classic movie fan. Just not something I get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only Clark Gable that I have ever been that I've ever really looked at was gone with the wind. Oh, okay. And, uh, I, I was never a fan of the character. I love Red Butler, but yeah, understand. I I just, I, I, I'm not a fan of that type of character. And, uh, here we have Clark Gable basically playing a more modern version of that guy. And he was a fucking delight throughout this entire fucking movie. He's so good. (laughs) Like cocksure. The when when you said that, Zach, I was like, you know what? There, there couldn't have been a more perfect descriptor for him in this movie. And yeah, this is the first movie that felt like, um, I don't want to say modern film, but felt like a movie, not like an adaptation from theater. It probably could have been, I don't know. Um, but no, it was, it, a, it it was just, an adaptation from a magazine article. Nice. Uh, apparently, Frank Frank Kapler read this magazine article. It was like, I want to make a movie off of this. And uh, the magazine article, I believe, is called Night Bus. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Night Bus. And he brought in Robert Riskin to write it because he really enjoyed working with Robin Riskin, Robert Riskin. And the two of them have a very fruitful career with each other for years to come. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah this when just... you... so, go ahead, Zach. Well, when you say it feels um, like a modern movie, I, I think it's the first movie we've watched that is really timeless aside from, you know, obviously old cars and things, but it, it's a story that you could, has been obviously um, done over and over and over again. Sure. From our perspective. Right. But even even um even seeing so many romantic comedies that follow this formula, it it's so good that you forget a lot of those and it feels fresh despite Yeah. Know, they could honestly remake this movie without changing a line and really without changing anything, and it would still feel the same and still be, I think, just as good. Yeah. Depended uh, on cast. I don't know if it would be just as good, but it definitely w- wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the moment I fell in love with this movie was when you felt the chemistry in the hotel scene when mm-hmm. they're convincing the detectives. <laughs> oh, God. It's such a good scene. Yeah. It was so good. Like, just when she just kind of was just, it snapped for us, like, okay, this is what we're doing. And she leaned into it. And I was like, oh, my God. I love this couple so yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> so much they're so wonderful together and they have such amazing chemistry uh, uh chemistry you you just won't see again until jackie chan and chris tucker of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it, the movie had one creepy line for me okay um the let them fall line which was basically the father saying go ahead <laughs> yeah <laughs> do it <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I, 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 I enjoyed the Walls of Jericho callback a couple of times. The fact that, you know, they use like the toy horn and everything. But I just. Yeah. That line just was like, oh, dude, did, did he really say that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually really funny. The uh, the Criterion menu doesn't have any sound for like 10 seconds. And then the first sound you hear uh, while just looking at a picture of uh, Gable and Colbert together is the the toy horn. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have a hard time actually talking about this movie because I I'm so in love with this movie. Yes, it yes. it is a film that has meant so much to me over the years because it really was one of those things where I, I kind of started enjoying romantic comedies in my late teens, early 20s. And then to get this film so early in my discovery of how much I love romantic comedies and then to realize that it is the keystone film, it is the progenitor of all of them and how perfect it is at what it is. Uh, I, I believe the one term I like the most for it is this is the perfect version of itself. Yeah. 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 And, and it's it's been duplicated and mimicked so many times, but it's still never been topped. Yeah, I yeah. I can't argue with that. I mean, it's fr- from the performances to the story, to the dialogue, to the editing. It's just smooth. And oh, God. And you, you get yeah. that. You get that one shot at the beginning of Clark Gable on the phone with his boss and he's in that phone booth and the camera's just right on him with these like five guys hanging out over his right shoulder. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful shot. And then everything that just it flows into after that is the dialogue. And that scene is so, so beautiful. I think that's Very actually uh, perfect to say is that this movie, uh, the, the structure is just so perfect. And you just it paces itself so so well, and it and it, as you said, flows just into each scene, as in like this is exactly where they should be and how this should go. And again, calling back to how modern it feels like it could be, you know, you're even given a little bit of like the that whole hey, he sees sir when he when he's driving the the at the train and everything, and they see the kind of. Uh, what do you call that uh, police line or whatever? And these Caesar in there, oh, and the just escort. like man, the escort. Yes, thank you. Um, like I mean, that could have easily just have been done in an airport or anything, and it just it feels like just all of these things are so perfectly put together, and it does make me feel like, all right, how many movies have I seen do this exact point? To the point I started the movie going, am I about to watch Overboard and where this started? <laughs> I do love Overboard though. What a the, weird film. The first one. Not the, not the, not the, I still haven't seen the remake, so I, I can't don't. say anything to that. I can. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, another thing that, you know, watching the movie, I kept worrying that maybe it would go a little left on the um, aggressive or violent comments, but Clark Gable played them so well, you could always tell that Right after he said something maybe a little too mean, he said, you know, you could tell that I didn't really mean that. Like when he when he said, you do it, I'll break your neck. And that's the one time you saw him get really uncomfortable with himself. And he apologized. I was like, okay, yeah, this 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 movie is not, you know, it's of its time, you know, talking about giving her a sock when she needs it or something like that. Oh, my God, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm sitting there watching this movie with my wife while I'm trying to put together a pack and play, which <laughs> was frustrating within itself. And then I turned my head. I was like, did he just actually say that? And my wife goes, what? And I was like, that dude just basically said, I want to punch you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but right. it's, it's one of those things that uh, with especially with the scene I was talking about, they set it up so well at the beginning about how much bluster he has where yeah. he he is a man of action when action is needed, but he's but he's a man who's about theatricality and a man who yeah. who is kind of an easier pushover than he lets on. So, mm. you know, he's on the phone with his boss and his boss is like, don't come back here. You don't have a job anymore. And he hangs up on him. And as he's like pleading, kind of pleading with him to, you know, let him keep his job and he gets hung up on, he turns and he sees all these guys hanging out there and he's like, Oh yeah, well yeah. I didn't need your stupid job anyway. And he's, <laughs> and he's putting up so much bravado in the face of others that it, it kind of goes to the rest of his character throughout the film that he's going to say True. these big things. I'm, I'm going to break your neck. Yeah. I'm going to punch you. He doesn't mean it. He just doesn't know how to deal otherwise. Fair yeah. enough. The uh, the monologue of how men get undressed is also probably one of my favorite. I guess my favorite scenes are both in the hotel room. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that I, whole, like, I don't care what you think, but I'm doing this for your protection. That's why he waited for the pants at the end and then gave her the final. <laughs> and uh, it's pants. It's every man for himself. <laughs> Like that's what oh god that's when i knew this character like he was he was he wouldn't have done it i know he wouldn't have done it he but he's he would have started on it. he's going to yeah. yeah he would have started on it and looked at her as she didn't leave and went could you please just go on the other side yeah. <laughs> exactly uh no he's and he's just I, so he's so perfect in this movie yes and 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 colbert as well oh um, colbert yeah yeah, she's not even and not playing the, you know, I think and this also goes into the writing of the character as well, where she's not the, you know, the heiress who can't do anything for herself. She obviously needs help, a lot of help, but they don't play her off as the damsel in distress either. Not, yeah. not really. No, she just, she just, she's along for the ride. Yeah, she's got herself into an unfortunate situation and uh, they, they kind of just, play her as not as dumb or airheaded or anything like that, but just kind of uh, not ignorant to how the that. world works. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's not even like naive. It's just literally, Hey, I didn't know. Yeah. Like she's just throwing her money at whatever she wants at the beginning. And Clark Gable's like, you, you had like $5. Now you have a dollar 40. What the hell happened? <laughs> She's just like, I just spend money on things that I want. That's how money works for me. Yeah. It's like, I'm rich. I think that's probably really highlighted in the, um, the hitchhiking scene, obviously, the way she just kind of sits back and watches him like, okay, do your thing, whatever. I, yeah. She's not like feeling, looking or feeling like she's lost if this doesn't work. She, she, she knows she's got it. Yeah. And, and again, and then it goes to more of Gable's bluster where he pretends like he knows <laughs> everything about the world he's he's like oh yeah. you seem lost and and innocent let, let yeah. me be the big man and you know he telling her how to dunk her donuts and showing her how <laughs> that he's going to 
to hail a car with all his stupid little thumb tricks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, though. That scene with the uh, the the Dunkin and the donuts, like I really wanted a, a cake donut and some coffee right right at yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And and to his credit, he is right about how you dunk a donut. That's very true. <laughs> all right. So any other yeah. notes we got for this movie there, boys? Oh, my problem is I have entirely too many notes. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to I'll try to run a couple things down that I find the m- most interesting about this. Um, right, let's hear them. Neither Gable nor Colbert wanted anything to do with this movie. Hmm. Uh, neither were interested in working on it at all. Colbert wanted to go on vacation and it was a this movie was shot in four weeks, mostly okay. exteriors. So they didn't have wow. to worry about a lot of sets. But Colbert just did not want to work on it. And she wasn't even she wasn't even like the third choice for the film. So when wow. it, when it came around uh did they have an issue with each other or they just didn't really want to work at the time not interested in the project she just wasn't interested in the project and she had a vacation coming up yeah uh and she was like okay look here's how this is going to work you want to pay me twenty five thousand. i want 50 per week and if you don't give me that i'm not doing the film and once the second we're i'm done filming i am going on vacation nice and columbia who was kind of one of the smaller studios at the time was like, she's a good name. She's a great actress. Do it. Just pay her the 50,000. And uh, apparently as soon as she finished filming, she went on vacation and called one of her friends and said, I have just finished shooting one of the worst films I have ever shot. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the way movies are shot often, it's hard to, it's really hard to see where it's going to go. True. If you don't understand what the director has in mind and then you see a finished product and it's like, wow, that was way more than I thought it was going to be while shooting it. So I don't know how the shoot went, but she won an Academy Award, so couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. Movies Uh, are made on film. Films are made in editing. Yep. Is how I feel. It's, yeah, Edit, editing will mm-hmm. make a movie guaranteed. Uh, they they say you make a movie three times in the writing, in the shooting, and in the editing. And yeah, this this must have been one that proved that. Uh, Betty Davis was going really interested in her role, was going to do it, but Jack O. Warner wouldn't lend her out. Uh, he was probably still mad about uh, of human bondage. Uh, Gable got sent to Columbia Pictures from MGM as a punishment to work on this film. <laughs> and he showed up with the, to uh, his first meeting with Frank Capra drunk. Well, maybe, maybe that's what influenced the opening scene then. Yeah. Cause wasn't he supposed to, yeah, he was drunk during the telephone scene, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually I, I think that's true. I think I may have heard that watched a couple of like hour long documentaries on this. Uh, and one about Frank Capra's life, which was really interesting. Uh, Gable was making $2,000 per week working for uh, MGM. And when Louis B. Mayer sent him over here as punishment, he told Columbia they could have him for $2,500. So MGM okay. ended up making $500 per week off of Clark Gable. <laughs> uh, and the hitchhiking scene. Claudette Colbert did not want to show her leg. 
that said, okay, that's fine. You don't have to show your leg. We're going to get a body double in here and we're just going to let her do it. And the moment she saw the body double lift up her skirt the first time, she was like, that's not my leg. I don't like this. And then decided she was going to do it anyway. <laughs> and apparently Good for her. Yeah. Apparently she was just a nightmare to work with on this film specifically. Oh, that's too bad. I guess she was a brat. She just was not happy working on it. I mean, but- could you imagine you're about to go on vacation though? And someone says, Hey, we need you to work. Yeah. And you're like, well, True. fucking, hey, no, I want to go on vacation. Right. And and I could have, like, the most grandest project in front of me and be like, this is shit. Why am I doing this? And, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna sandbag the yeah. hell out of it. And I guess Frank Capra wasn't really Frank Capra yet. And you know. Yeah, this was, I mean, he, he was a good enough name. He had been making films for better part of the decade at this point and uh she had worked with him before and vowed she was never going to work with him again oh so that kind of had a little bit to do with it but uh she uh she did it and apparently appreciated being in the film later on because she showed up to his uh afi lifetime achievement award induction and spoke very highly of him that's good that that's all the ending yeah that's also that that ceremony is on the the criterion and it was it was very nice all right well boys i think it's time to ask that those questions oh hold on one more oh one more one more we okay all right okay. so uh this is in the national film registry oh yes would you like to guess what year i'm gonna go 1992 yeah i was gonna go 94 you were both on the op- on the opposite side of the right year <laughs> <laughs> in 1993 <laughs> Nice. Uh, and in 1988, it was named the 34th best, no, 35th best movie of all time, according to the American Film Institute. Yeah, I'm, nice. it's it's hard. It's almost hard to talk about the without like going into specific scenes, and you want people to watch this movie and enjoy it entirely, not not to like ruin or pull out scenes. But it's just from start to finish, it's excellent. Um, <laughs> like think about the shapely character he was perfectly irritating and but oh yeah, also... yeah definitely a character i hated and on purpose yeah. yeah oh yeah definitely when he got his uh just desserts there that was very um appealing oh speaking of which apparently um the creator of bugs bunny was a very big fan of this film and bugs bunny may be based off of uh, clark gable in this film I could, I could definitely with the see the carrot. That. Yeah, and with the carrot eating scene, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently during the him telling off Shapely whole thing, where uh-huh. he's like, "Let's go get the Tommy guns." Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions uh, some guy named Bugs in that little monologue. Oh, nice! Wow. So, all right, so we're gonna ask the question here. I'm, I'm gonna start with Paul, but we got eleven. Nominees, you said, for Best Picture. Uh, 12. It was nominated 12, against 12. 11. Films. Against 11. Okay. Um, I'm looking at 1934 going. <sighs> so I got a, a few ideas on of those uh, 12 movies, you know, the other 11. But Paul, was this the Best Picture of 1934? Uh, did it deserve Best Picture of 1934? Did it deserve that? Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely yes. This is one of the greatest films of all time. And there is... 
uh, of all the films I've seen in 1934, maybe The Black Cat comes close. And I can't wait because that's going to be on Criterion Channel later this this month. But I love this film so deeply and so thoroughly. And I can't think of a better film from this year that I have seen. This deserves best picture 110%. Cool, cool, cool. Zach? Um, you know, I could... I could maybe entertain arguments about, you know, the original imitation of life or the thin man, but I would say yes, that it happened one night did deserve best picture. Okay. And Jonathan, what do you think? I'm torn. I I am. I am all sorts of torn. Okay. Tell us about it, Natalie. I hope you can hear my wife in the background because that's how I feel right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Her sister is over right now. So, Sorry, Trev. Um, so the first thing I Claudette Colbert is Cleopatra in Cleopatra. That's that's a tough movie to beat. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo is a tough one to beat. That's not the best version of Cleopatra, though. It's not. I haven't seen that. So she was in that, and she was in an imitation of life in this. So she was in three best picture nominated movies. At, at least I don't know if they're. <laughs> She's a John C. Riley of her time. Nice. Nice. Well, that makes her even more attractive to me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. It it really is between the Count of Monte Cristo and this one, but God damn, this movie is nothing but just heart. And I love me a movie with heart. Yeah, I think this definitely deserves Best Picture. Definitely. So, uh, pretty easy to answer this one then. Uh, Paul, is this the worst Best Picture? Not only is it not the worst best picture, it is currently my favorite best picture. Oh, okay. So the rankings change. Zach, is this the worst best picture? Not on your life, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think um, I think it might be my uh, number one as well so far. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think I ranked it. I gave it a 92... And all quiet, I've given a ninety out of hundred. So, yep, yep. I I, I give it a, so far. I give it a hundred two out of hundred. Wow, very nice. Um, no, this is not the worst best picture, but this is my number three. That's fair. I, okay. I and and this and I, that may just be because uh, romantic comedies aren't my favorite. Um, my wife made you know, shove them down my throat too much for me to actually enjoy them more than I should. But I did really like this movie. So, but better than wings are all quiet. I, I, I just can't. And I, and, and normally I go for the more depressing films as my favorite films. Like if you look at the films that normally populate my number one spot every year, it's probably something that either, unnerved me to the point of just discomfort that I enjoyed so much or something that made me cry so hard that when the credits started, I cried just from seeing the director's name. Uh, So all quiet would definitely go into that kind of category, but I don't know. It happened one night is such a fun and easy watch. And it's the, it's the first time in our, our viewing in seven weeks we've done this show that I watched the the movie the day after we recorded the last episode. <laughs> nice. nice. So. I, w- I will say this is the first time I didn't watch the movie the day of recording. So 
there's that. Fair enough. All right. So I think we're going to go ahead and call it here tonight. Uh, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me at Altorn underscore Occam on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. And you can catch my Twitches where I play video games. And we do our weekly watch of Razzies with Paul on Thursday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central. So come watch that. We just watched. Do you guys next have your movie night. picked for next week? Or, well, we, I guess. Well, it's going to be for the week. It's coming for, yeah, let's like the Wednesday yeah. after, or the Thursday. I don't remember how time works. Sorry. <laughs> okay. What so what day is today? It, it'll be the, so this next Thursday will be the Thursday before we drop this episode. Okay. Maybe I'll quit asking that question. So, so <laughs> it's going to be, part. Hey, I hope you enjoyed our watch of, um, what are we watching again? Oh crap. What are we watching? Oh, we're watching that rebel Wilson. Uh, oh, Oh, the hustle, the hustle, the, re- the remake of uh dirty rotten scoundrels with Anne Hathaway and rebel Wilson. Yes. And we just got finished okay. watching next, which is now in my top five worst endings ever (laughs) i was hoping to get nick cagey goodness and all i got was a movie that made me go why are they trying to make nick cage a sex symbol why are they trying to make nick cage a sex symbol yeah and that's the worst movie ever thanks for ruining julianne Moore. thanks movie fucking terrible zach where can we find you at uh you can find me on critiker at zach master spelled x-a-k-k-m-a-s-t-e-r where i post my short movie reviews uh and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at father of the fear and you can follow me on letterboxd that's letter b-o-x-d dot com slash vaudevillian and i'm gonna stop plugging my critiker because i haven't been posting anything on it so w- when i get back to that i'll start plugging it again that's fair enough okay. Hey, uh, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Mutiny on the Bounty, which you can find on YouTube, Amazon, Vudu, iTunes, or with an HBO Max subscription. Hey, Jonathan, that's more Car Gable for you to watch. Hey, hey. All right. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. And you can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at the Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Stitcher. There we go. That's a word. (laughs) Because... It really helps us to be seen within the algorithm, and we just we really want the algorithm to look at us the way that uh, Clark Gable looks at Claudette Colbert in this movie. It's true. Uh-huh. I want, I'm staring at the algorithm while it sits there with the other popular kids, and I stand there eating my PB&J and So for Jonathan and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>